Um, I want to say that it's good to be back here at the Bridge Goldsboro. Um, I'm very grateful for the time away uh, that I had, the sabbatical that I had, uh, spending time with my family and uh, just some introspection that I was able to do. Um, but it's good to be back uh, fulfilling the call that I know that God has on my life. I think time away is good. I think everybody should have some time away uh, at certain times of, of your life, certainly certain seasons of life. Uh, but when you're called of God to do something, if you get away from it for too long, you start to feel a little bit empty inside. And so it's, it's good to get back into the calling uh, that God has for me. I, I believe that God has some good things in store um, for me. I believe God has some good things in store for you. I just believe with my whole heart that when the church gathers and God moves in our midst, I believe lives change. I believe things can happen. Do you believe that? I, I never, it's never about God's capability. The Bible says he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always willing and he's always capable. We, we're the ones that change. So when I say the potential is for lives to change, really it depends on us, on us leaning into him. Uh, so I believe some uh, good things are in store for us. I, I wanted to take just a second and appreciate Pastor Andy Stovall for being here uh, during my time of way. Can we just appreciate him? He's, uh, he serves mainly at the Princeton location, but has been a part of the Bridge uh, Church as a whole for, gosh, 25 or, or more years. Um, just a great pastor, one of the best there is in terms of just being a, a great pastor. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that when you walk in the room and he's there, you just automatically know that he cares about you. He, he's just one of those guys. Um, before long, you just start spilling out all your problems to him, and you don't know why you're doing it. Just, he's, just, he's just got that way about him. Uh, and so I, I just really appreciate uh, Pastor Andy. One, one of the biggest things that God has been reminding me of lately is that, is that he is still sovereign over my life and that he is still sovereign over your life. It doesn't matter what storm pops up. It doesn't matter what caught you off guard. It doesn't matter what came around the corner that you weren't expecting. When you're following God, he is going to ensure that his purposes for you remain intact. Now, here's the catch. If we'll have faith, say faith, if we'll have the faith to trust him whenever things hurt the worst, if we'll have the faith to believe in him when things are the most confusing, and that's what I want to talk about today, uh, having faith in the middle of life's storms. I believe that storms, life storms are part of every single person's life. I believe that today you're either going through a storm now, you have been through a storm or you're getting ready to go into one. Every, that's what life is. It's just this series of life storms that we go through. And if we hold on to the Lord, then he is going to make us better on the out, coming out of it than we were going in. It's, it's this, certainly there are seasons on mountaintops, there are seasons of blessing, and that's all we can see. And everybody in the room, 100% of us can say, life consists of life storms as well. It, that, faith is something as we're walking into these storms, faith is something that we would say that's very important to us. Would you say that? I think as Christians and even sometimes people that aren't necessarily living for God, that they even would say, faith is important to me. It's what we say we need when we don't understand life. I need faith. It's, it's what we try to keep. I've got to keep the faith whenever life seems confusing. In fact, it's what we encourage other people who are going through hard times to have. Have faith. We, it's what we say when we don't have any other answers. We say, you know what? We can always rely on faith even when we don't, 
even when we don't see it. It's what we say we stand on in the midst of tragedy. And sometimes when tragedy strikes the worst and everything leaves and we have nothing left, faith is something that we say we always have. No matter what happens, we always have faith. And I think it's interesting that storms of life come and go without any effort on your part. Storm, I mean, did you plan for the last storm that you had in your life? Did, did you plan for the, the things to crumble around you? We don't plan for those things. We don't work for those things. They come with no effort on our part. But the faith that we have to have to get through them, the faith in Christ that we have to endure those storms takes the most amount of courage that we can muster. And I think that's why it's easy to talk about faith, and it's exciting to talk about faith, but it's extremely hard to live it out. Because storms take no effort coming and going, but faith takes the most courage that we have. You can see the problem, you can see the hardship, you can see the storm, but you don't see the outcome. It takes courage to have faith that the outcome is on the way. Hebrews chapter 11, it kind of defines what faith is. It says this, verse 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And it's assurance about what we don't see. I think it's interesting the, the way it kind of groups those words together. Confidence and assurance, those things sound sure. But in what, it's things that we hope for. We don't have it yet. Things that we don't see. So we're confident and, a, and, a, and sure in our heart about something that we don't see yet. What outcome are you hoping for today? What, what outcome do you not see yet, but that you're hoping for? What, what do you say in your life, man, it, it would just be great if this would change, and you're hoping for this outcome. You're, you're, you're having faith in something that, that you don't see yet. And I think it's easy to talk about faith because it's exciting and it's good, but it's very difficult to live out. Talking is exciting. Living it out challenges every part of you. But faith is a priority for God. It's not an option if you decide to have it in him. It's not uh, an option of options. It's a priority for God that applies to everybody. In fact, it's such a priority that, that verse 6 of Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, let's get real for just a second. Do any of you find that unsettling? Can we just kind of get honest with each other for a minute? That one of the most difficult things to do in our human nature, believe an outcome without seeing any sign of it. That's a prerequisite to being right in the sight of God. I think we'd be lying if we didn't admit that it was. But I found that the most difficult things that God asks of our human nature are the most eye-opening and liberating to our souls. The most difficult things that God demands of our human self is actually the very thing that opens up our souls to experience him great. If you have anxiety in your life and you push through that and you have faith, you'll find that it'll soon give way to peace because God is a God of peace. If you have fear in your life, the fear of the unknown or fear of a circumstance that you have, the Bible says you can have faith in God in such a way you push through that fear in Christ, and it begins to give way to confidence. If you're weak, you can have assurance knowing that that's going to give way to strength. In fact, the Apostle Paul said that it's when I'm weak, that's when I have the opportunity to be strong in Christ. That if I was never given the opportunity to be weak, I would never have the opportunity to be made strong. This was the same Paul that said, outwardly, I'm wasting away. My circumstances are such that it's actually causing my flesh to waste away. But inwardly, 
I'm being renewed day by day. There's, there's, there's something about the way that God demands the most of our human nature, and it takes all the effort and courage that we can muster. But if we'll be obedient and if we'll obey, it'll give way to something in our souls that's liberating, something that's eye-opening, something that's joyful, and something that's free. It's just very difficult to get there, humanly speaking. In Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is with his disciples, and he had just got done teaching uh, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. It's a great sermon. You should read it sometime. Uh, went through three whole chapters. And after it was over, Jesus was tired, and he gets on this boat, and uh, verse 23 says, Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him into the boat. Now, Jesus' disciples followed him much in the same way we follow him today. The disciples had no idea what was, what was getting ready to happen to them. They just followed Jesus because they trusted him. In the same way, you may have no idea what's coming around the corner, but you can follow Jesus today knowing that he's got your back, knowing that if you're following him, you're going to be in just the right place at just the right time. The Bible says that without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat and Jesus was sleeping. This is interesting to me. In actuality, just a teaching point here, it, the storm came up without warning. This is actually the Sea of Galilee. It, it's a 64 square mile lake. It's huge, about 150 or so feet deep in the deepest point, but it's very low lying, below sea level. In fact, it's one of the most lowest uh, lying bodies of water in the world. And it's surrounded by mountains. And so when wind comes over those mountains and swoops down into that body of water, uh, it makes violent storms uh, that happen very sudden and without warning, very typical. So they're in this boat and the storm comes. It's violent. It's crazy. Jesus is sleeping and it's violent enough to lift up water up and just pour water into the boat. And the disciples are fearing for their lives. This is, the, this is a crazy storm. The, the next verse says, the disciples went and woke up Jesus saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, these are commercial fishermen, some of them in the group. They grew up fishing, not just fishing, but on this very body of water. If they're freaking out, you know something's wrong. <laughs> and, and Jesus is sleeping. Have you ever been in a situation where you're going, Jesus, if you don't do something, then, and then you fill in the blank? It seems like Jesus is sleeping. It seems like he's far away. It seems like he's not there. But could it be that Jesus is, is allowing you to go through this storm to see how you're going to react to him in the moment? It, sometimes it seems like Jesus is asleep. Sometimes it seems like Jesus is away. Maybe sometimes it even seems to you that Jesus doesn't care. But the disciples woke him up and he replied to them, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? I love this next part. Then he, he gets up, he rebukes the winds and the waves, meaning he just spoke to them with words and it was completely calm. He addressed their faith. I, I think that's interesting to note. He addresses their faith and he doesn't address the storm without addressing their faith. He knew what they were going through. He was going to address the storm. But he didn't address their storm without addressing their faith. Why? Because faith is a priority to God. In fact, I think it's interesting that Matthew records that Jesus addressed their faith before getting up and dealing with the storm. It's almost as if he was more concerned about the faith that they had in them or the lack of faith in this case than he was about, about the storm that they were going through. 
Was it that the storm wasn't difficult? No, that wasn't it. He knew it was. Was it that he didn't care about the storm? Of course he did. But it's faith that brings the peace of God. It's faith in him that brings confidence in God. It's, it's faith that brings us deep-rooted joy despite the circumstances. And because of that, God is more interested in getting the right thing inside of you than he is removing the bad thing from around you. He could have just dealt with the storm. Listen, I'm trying to show you the, the importance of the faith that you have in Jesus Christ, not just getting him to remove some circumstance from your life. He, he could have dealt with the storm. I mean, for crying out loud, he got up and spoke to it, and it stopped. He could, he could have just dealt with their storms and never worried about their faith, but storms would have come up again and again in their lives, whether it be the wind and the waves or whether it be other circumstances. And if all he did was just solve their problem time after time, it would show his ability, but it would never show their ability to have faith and joy in knowing Jesus Christ. And so they would just react to the storm the exact same way. Jesus, get up. We're going to drown. Jesus, help me. I'm, I'm, my, my life is in shambles. And, and we just, there's this fear. There's this anxiety associated with that. Jesus is more concerned with getting the right thing in you than he is with removing the bad thing from around you. And so he says, you have little faith. The Greek word there actually means you're unwilling and unable to believe. Isn't that the exact opposite of what God tells us to do in his word? To believe in him? So why is faith such a priority to God? Well, let me ask you this question. What kind of relationship is built when there's no faith between two people? No trust? Not much of one, is there? It's a shallow relationship. And so that's why faith is a priority to God. Because faith equals relationship with God. And relationship gives birth to all kinds of joy and all kinds of peace in God. Don't, don't think it's strange when God allows storms in your life. He's not trying to kill you. <laughs> He's trying to get to know you better. He's trying to build the, the relationship. In fact, he, he already knows everything there is to know about you. Probably a better way to say that, and more importantly, is he's trying to give you the opportunity to know him better. He's trying to give you the opportunity to, to learn more about him. That's why Jesus looked at the disciples and he couldn't address the storm without addressing their faith, the, the relationship-building ingredient that was lacking. Some of you may be going through storms of life that you literally feel like the disciples did. I, I don't know how I'm going to get through this alive. I don't, know how I'm gonna, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. And you're looking at God as just some quicker fixer-upper. I feel like that's a commercial somewhere. And what God is saying to you is, I'm, I'm not just trying to calm down your storm. I want to be the calm in you during the storm. I, I want to do something on the inside of you. I, I wanted you to get so close to me that you're so confident in who I am. That by the time you walk through this storm, you're the most confident you've ever been during it. Why? Because faith in God equals relationship with God. So the storm goes away. He spoke to the wind and the waves. Everything goes from violent to completely calm. And, and the reaction from the disciples is really noteworthy. The guys in the boat, they're amazed. They're trying to reconcile in their minds what in the world just happened. Did he literally just speak? Did he command the weather? And the weather obeyed him? Is, is that what we just witnessed? Now remember, they're, they're observing this whole thing lacking in faith. Verse 27 says that the men were amazed and they asked the question, what kind of man is this? 
that even the wind and the waves obey him. A couple of the other gospel writers record this same story, and, and they say that they were, they were afraid. They were fearful when, when they saw this man do it. Now the fear shifted from the storm that they were facing, and now they're looking at this guy that just was bigger than the storm. And it freaked them out. They were, they were amazed and they were afraid. It kind of makes me wonder, what did they think was going to happen when they went to him? What did they think Jesus was going to do? They couldn't believe he did it. What did they think he was going to do? Did they think he was going to help them paddle back to shore to safety? To row the boat? Maybe that's where row, row, row your boat came from. The disciples wrote it right there in the book of Matthew. Did they think he was going to do some kind of miracle? Something? I mean, after all, if you look a few verses earlier, Jesus is healing a bunch of sick people just with a word, doing lots of miracles. Maybe they thought he would do some kind of miracle, but it never even crossed their mind that he could stand up to the wind and the waves and speak, and, and all of a sudden the wind and the waves would calm down. It never crossed their mind. Maybe that he was able to do that, or certainly never crossed their mind that he would. Lacking in faith. When we come to God lacking in faith, it causes us to approach our all-powerful, almighty God expecting far less than he can do and far less than he's willing to do in our lives. Faith is a priority for God because faith develops and equals a relationship with him, giving us clear parameters. And I say that loosely, maybe in our brains, but, but, but a, a clear ability of what God's able to do in our lives. Faith is not a magic wand that we wave and, and all of our problems go away. Faith is this relational attitude by which we approach God while the problem still exists. So whenever you're going through your storms of life today, or maybe it's a month from now, or maybe you're thinking about one past, do you worry and fret? Do, do, you, do you find yourself caving in to, to being afraid and anxiety, or do you really believe that God has you? Despite the storm, do, do you really believe that God is going to bring the outcome that's best for you? Because I think sometimes we get so fixated on an outcome, we, we're actually believing in the outcome more than we're believing about the God who's bringing it. And, and God is saying, leave the outcome to me, trust and have faith in me, develop the relationship with me. And, and I think we develop the relationship in our minds with the outcome that we want. And we leave God simply to just bring the outcome. You know what happens when we do that? Once the outcome gets here, we forget about the one that brought it. But what if during the storm, we, we, we desire an outcome, our human selves feel like we need a certain outcome, but we go to God and we say, Lord, and we pray the prayer that Jesus prayed, we, we give it to him what we feel like we want, what we feel like we need, and then we say, God, but not my will, yours be done. I have faith in you to bring the outcome that's best for me. You've heard my prayer. You've heard my request, God, but my faith is not in an outcome. My faith is in you. And the relationship begins to be developed, not between you and the outcome you're desiring. The relationship begins to deepen between you and the God that's going to bring the outcome, whatever it may be. Maybe they didn't know what he would do. They had no clue what he would do. But faith says, I'm not sure what. God, I'm not sure how, but I know I'm going to be okay. I know it. I know that you're going to bring the outcome that's best for me. That's best for everyone that's affected by this storm. And so I ask you the question, are you approaching God in fear or in faith? So faith is a priority because faith equals a relationship 
with God. So how do I live in faith? How do I get to the place where I'm not just talking about faith? Because again, it's easy to talk about faith. In fact, it's exciting to talk about faith. But it's terribly difficult to our human selves. It takes the most courage we have to live in faith despite the storm. So how do I do that? Well, two things I'm going to tell you to do that will lead to a place where you can latch on to the faith that the Bible talks about in Jesus Christ. And the first thing is this, position yourself with humility. We often don't talk about humility and faith in the same, in the same sentence, but faith starts when you get humble before God. Let me say it like this. Faith in God goes up when faith in you goes down. It's a positional thing. I want you to think about that very practically for a minute. You're not going to put your life in the hands of someone that you think of less than yourself. You're just not going to do it. Nobody would do that. In fact, that would be insane to put your life, everything about you and everything that you love in the hands of somebody that you think you can do a better job than. I certainly wouldn't ever do that, would you? And that's what we do to God. It's a, it's a humility thing. It's a humble thing. Without humility before God, faith can't exist. Not the kind of faith God talks about, not the relational kind. So position yourself with humility in mind. Can we talk about humility for just a minute and what the Bible says about it in, in terms of faith? Romans chapter 10, verse 17, the apostle Paul is talking to us here, talking to the Roman church in this specific letter. But he says this, faith, say faith, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. So faith is hearing the word of Christ, is hearing, the, hearing God's word. Amen. Is that automatic? We hear the word of God and all of a sudden that immediately means that we have faith in it? Or the more I, I brain cram the word of God, the more I listen to sermons, the more, I, the more I read the Bible, the more I read devotions, the more I cram in the greater faith that I'm going to have? Is, that, is it automatic as that? I think we make the mistake in thinking that it is. You can read every word in the Bible. You can attend every church service there is, and you can still miss faith in your life. There are atheists who know the Bible better than a lot of Christians that I know. They know the words in it because they're trying to study it to disprove it. And so they just, they know it. They read it all the time. Uh, Satan knows the word of God. In fact, it was one of the things he used to try to trick Jesus. He knows the word of God. The difference, though, is that those, those that just take in the word just to take it in, they lack power that comes with it because they haven't humbled themselves before the author. They, they, they can read the word, but there's no power associated with it because they haven't humbled themselves unto God. Paul goes on to talk about the nation of Israel and how often his word went out to them, and yet they didn't receive it. The next verse, 18, he says, did they not hear? <laughs> Did they not understand? The word went out, but they, they weren't receiving it. Have you ever read the Bible, but yet still struggled to believe that God was going to bring the outcome? Come on, let's get real for a minute. Have we ever listened to a sermon and then it sounded good and it felt good? Again, faith is great to talk about. It's exciting, but then get into the storms of life and struggle to believe it? Because faith is easy to talk about, exciting to talk about, but it's hard to live out. 
Where's, where's the, the disconnect between reading the word of God and living out faith that's active and building relationship with God in a way that brings me peace? Where's the, the disconnect between hearing the pastor preach, attend, doing everything I know to do, doing, praying, I'm, I'm reading my devotions very religiously, man, and, and, and I get into storms and I still struggle. I still struggle to believe that God is in this for me. I still struggle to have the peace that I hear everybody talking about. And, and we read the word and we go, well, just did I miss it? Did I read it too fast? What am I doing wrong? What, where is that, that disconnect? Listen, just reading it isn't where faith comes from. It's what you do with it after you read it that matters. Ten verses earlier, in verse 8, Paul said this, the word is in your mouth and it's in your, what does it say? It's in your heart. The word is in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we're proclaiming. It's got to go past your ears. It's got to get to your mouth and in your heart. Let's contextualize this. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, I'm lowering myself as Lord and I'm lifting him up. I'm becoming humble, understanding that he is Lord and I'm not. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead and I'm saved. I don't understand how God raised him from the dead. I'm not going to try to wrap my brain around that. That's beyond my understanding because he's greater than I am. I find myself, when I make these two confessions, humbling myself before God. That he really is Lord, and I'm not. That God really did raise him from the dead, and I, I have no idea how he did that. And confessing those two things in humility, it's the gateway to confessing and declaring other things about God. That, you know what, in the middle of my storm, he really does know more than I do. In, in the middle of my storm, he is more able than I am. I'm not. He is. John the Baptist said it best when he said, I've got to become less, and he, he's got to become more. In fact, if it gets right down to it, we, we can say, God, you're the very reason I'm breathing right now. The psalmist said, the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and the world and all who live in it. You know what that means? It means if you live on earth, you're his. Made for his purposes, made for his glory. He's got a plan for your life and he wants you to walk it out. But it starts, faith starts in this humility going, you know, these things are really true. His word is alive, but it's got to get past my ears. I'm confessing it with my mouth and I'm believing it in my heart. You position yourself to grow in faith as you read his word in humility. And I just want to leave you with this point on this. As a Christian, if you are praying and you're reading and you're, you're giving and you're doing all these, these Christian things that you know you're supposed to do, but you, you haven't reached this point of humility yet, hear me in love. You're performing for God. And do you know what the companion is of performing for God? An intense amount of pressure. We end up you know, reading the Bible or not reading the Bible, and, and we feel guilty when we don't, but we feel good about ourselves when we do. And we attend church service, and so we feel like we're right with God, but then we miss a church service, and we feel horrible about ourselves, and we feel like we have to ask for forgiveness. Or when we, we, we give, but we give it not with the right motivation, we give it as somehow going, God's going to be proud of me, and I'm going to be seen as worthy of God if I give. And if I don't give, then I feel guilty about it, and I feel like I'm not worth anything. And, and somehow my relationship with God kind of goes up and down based upon what I do for him. But when you get humble before God, that's, that's something different. 
You get humble before God, and all of a sudden, these things begin to come out of you in joy. There's no pressure associated with it. You get humble before God, and you say, Jesus, you died for me. You know, I'm worthy of God because of what you've done for me. It's a very simple thing, and all of a sudden, it doesn't take your mind long to go, God, you're way more important than I am. You're way bigger than I am. You've got this figured out when I can't even figure out where I'm standing right now. And all of a sudden, I begin to worship him in truth, and I begin to worship him for who he is, not what I've done for him, but what he's done for me. And then I turn around, and, and prayer, and Bible reading, and, and giving, these things become a joy for me to do. I do it because of what he's done for me not finding my worth in him based on what I've done for him. But humility is, is, the, is the key factor there. Humility, being humble before God. And I just want to challenge you, maybe if you find yourself coming to church services or giving or praying or doing some sort of devotion every day, and you're doing it because, because you feel like you have to earn him, then maybe humility is the missing factor in your life. Maybe the word of God has to get beyond your ears and get in your heart and in your mouth. Humility. Position yourself to have faith in him. You got to get humble before him. Secondly, if you want to have faith in God in the midst of life storms, compare the storm you're going through with God's ability, not yours. If you want to have an unshakable faith in God in the middle of life storms, compare life storms to God, not you. I think we do a great job of comparing our storm with our own ability to get through it. And every single time we get to a place when we do that where we're anxiety-filled and fearful. Because I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, every storm you go through in life is bigger than you. Every one. There is not a storm you'll face in life that you have the ability in and of yourself to conquer. And, and I know this for being a pastor for almost 18 years and just living life for 38 years. When anytime someone comes in here and asks for prayer, you know, it's interesting. Nobody ever says, hey, I need you to pray for me, but by the way, I've got this. I mean, <laughs> nobody does that. Nobody says, hey, I need you to pray for the situation that I'm going through right now. But if God doesn't do it, you know, I've got what it takes to handle it anyway. But it's a good measure. Nobody does that. You know what they do? They come in here and they say, if God doesn't intervene, I don't know what I'm going to do. Please pray for me. We, we do this all the time. You see it on Facebook with posts. Guys, need prayers. And then they post what the prayer request is. Why, why are we petitioning people to pray if all we're going to do is look at our life storm and compare it to our own ability? Have I just fried your brain? I mean, wouldn't it make more sense if we're going to say we know that we're nothing without God? If we're going to say, hey, I know that I'm not going to get through this without God's help, wouldn't it make sense to actually include his power and his ability in our thought process when we're going through the Rolodex of our mind while we're laying down at night? Because isn't that where the war really rages? Isn't that where the storm is the fiercest, right here in our minds? What if we included God's power in our thought process instead of our own? We ask people to pray for us, and typically what we do is we sit back and we, we get scared and fearful. But what if you could actually not just trust in other people's prayers, but you actually begin to trust the one they were praying to? What if you begin to think about the power of the Almighty God and I stop comparing the storm that I'm going through with my ability to handle it because I don't have the ability, but I begin to take myself out of the equation. You take yours out and you begin to take the storm of life you're going through and the power of the Almighty God and you begin to size them up side by side. That would change things, wouldn't it? 
My son is, a, he's a little tall for his age, but when you stand him next to me, he doesn't look tall at all. I'm taller than him. But then you take a man like he Heatley on our staff who's closer to six feet tall, you put him next to me, and I'm not so tall anymore. You take Heat and stand him next to Lucas who's closer to seven feet, and Heat doesn't look tall at all. <laughs> you take Lucas and put him next to Shaquille O'Neal, guess what? He doesn't look tall either. See, the, the ability, the size is only relative to what you're comparing it to. And so if you're going to compare it to you, then you're going to lose. It's a no-win situation every time because you don't have what it takes. And nobody puts their faith in a no-win situation. But, but what if you compared it to something different? What if you compared it to the power of God Almighty? What does that power look like? There's so many verses in the Bible that talk about God's power. I, I love what Job's friend asked him in Job 11. It's actually two questions. It said, he said this, can you discover the depths of God? Can you answer that? Can you discover the depths of God? Not a chance. Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? <laughs> no. We, we can't put God in a box. We can't somehow frame uh, his our, our mind around his power. That could never happen. Uh, in fact, another part of the scripture says that we can't even begin to fathom the depths of his wisdom and knowledge. That means that even if, even if well, somehow we could see it, we couldn't even begin to start to think about how deep his wisdom goes, which is directly correlated to his power. When you start including God in the equation, then there's power in comparison. David said this in Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He began to see God's power whom shall I fear? The Lord is the refuge of my life, meaning when, when, when storms come, I run to him. And if I'm doing that, of whom shall I be afraid? Verse 3 says, though an army encamp against me. And back in those days, when armies would come up, they'd camp out. In other words, you'd, a guy would go on the watchtower and look out, and you'd just see hundreds of thousands of people on, on the horizon camping out. And you knew you were getting ready to go to war. He said, when I walk up and I can see the storm coming, even then will I be confident. I won't fear. What was David doing? He was comparing the worst life circumstances that he could think of with the power of the Almighty God. And when he did that, fear began to leave and it was replaced with confidence. Remember, we're, we're not talking about simply trying to understand this in principle. Because you can understand what I'm saying in principle. But what I'm saying is not just talk about it, but having faith in it. To believe in it. And when that happens, we position ourselves in humility. And we have faith when we compare our life storms to God's ability not our own. I believe all of us in the room, again, you're either going through a storm right now, you've been through one, or you're getting ready to go into one. Faith applies to all of us because it's a priority for God. I'm going to call the band back up here because I, I want us to sing this song. I'm going to see a victory as a battle cry for what God is going to bring in your life. And I know it sometimes it's difficult because we go, you know, I don't know what God's going to bring. You know that God's capable of bringing a victory even if it's not what you thought it was supposed to look like? That the victory that God is going to bring isn't specific to your mind, isn't specific to what you think. But God, the victory that God's going to bring in your life, when the Bible says he works all things together for our good, for those that love him and are called according to his purpose, sometimes we don't see the good that he's bringing as something that is relevant to us at the moment. We don't see it. 
So what I'm asking us to do is, is not to say this victory that God is getting ready to bring, it's something that I know he's going to do, but instead of looking for a specific outcome, we're going to sing this song, God's going to bring a victory. I'm going to see a victory. I may not know what it looks like, but I'm praising the one that's bringing it. I, I, I may have fear and anxiety right now, but I have trust in believing that when I compare the thing that's bringing me fear to God's power and God's ability, the fear leaves and it's replaced with a supernatural peace. It's replaced with a joy way down deep, not in my flesh, but in my soul. That though the world come around me and I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of it, something's being renewed inside me day by day. You know, I, when you think about the, the storm that the disciples were in and they were in the boat and it's interesting because they'd never seen, they'd never seen Jesus speak to storms like that. In fact, let's, let's look at the verse again, verse 27. It says that the men were amazed. <laughs> and, and they asked, what kind of a man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. They, they didn't have a clue Jesus could do that. If they did, they would have asked him for it. And it just hit me that, you know, they were so used to him dealing with people, healing people, talking with people, changing people. It never occurred to them that he could speak to a storm, a real physical weather-filled storm. They'd never been through that with him. And maybe you're here today and the storm you're facing is something that you've never had to go through. The disciples didn't know, so they didn't ask him for it. And maybe your storm today is such where you've never had to go through it. You've never been in this position before. And if you have, maybe it's, it's just not the same way it was before. You're in uncharted waters in your life. But I'm here today to tell you that just like the disciples, when they looked back, they said, yeah, Jesus can even do that. He can even speak to the weather. We didn't know it before, but Jesus can even speak to the weather. He can even speak to life's physical storm right in front of me. And I just believe with all my heart that when you get on the other side of this, you're going to look back and say, yes, Jesus can even do that. Yes, Jesus can even heal me from this. Yes, Jesus can even restore that. I've never been through it. I didn't even know to ask him for it. But he's on my side and he can even do it. He can, he can do it right now. But you know what God calls us to do? He calls us to celebrate early. I, I, I love that because we don't typically celebrate early. You ever seen sports stars that failed whenever they celebrated too early? That's not in God's rule book. He calls us to celebrate early because he calls us to believe in the outcome before we ever see the existence of it manifest itself in the natural. He's saying, what I put in your heart, you can begin to celebrate now, knowing that I'm bringing the victory at just the right time. Can you stand together with me? I believe with my whole heart that you're going to see a victory in your life. I believe that this storm is not going to last. And I wonder now if we have people that can celebrate that victory right now. Come on, let me pray for you before we go. Lord, we're so grateful for the opportunity to come and, Lord, not just talk about faith, but get excited about walking out of here and living it out. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in the room and those watching online who are struggling right now. Lord, I, I pray for a peace that your word in Philippians says passes every bit of worldly understanding. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now. Lord, I, I pray for a supernatural strength to walk and to stand when everything in them is telling them to lay down and quit. In the name of Jesus, I pray that. I command any spirit of discouragement 
or failure or perversion to flee in the name of Jesus. Of condemnation, I say flee in the name of Jesus. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. And there is no condemnation. Lord, I, I, I pray right now for favor in Jesus' name. Surround those who are going through life struggles right now with favor and love with people in their lives who can lift them up and point them back to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you right now that your, one of your functions is to remind us of everything that Jesus said. Help it not to just go into our ears, but let it land in our hearts and begin to come out of our mouths for us to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he does love us, that he does have our best interest in mind. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. If you agree with me, can you say amen together?